With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today we welcome A's rookie catcher Sean Murphy, who talks about his first couple of weeks in the big leagues, all those home runs he's hitting, and catching Jesus Lazardo's Major League debut. Then, Jake Kaplan from The Athletic and I talk about the Astros and A's rivalry and how it's changing, and might change a little bit more. All of that coming up next. Our guest today on the A's Plus podcast is rookie catcher Sean Murphy. Sean, um, new to the big leagues, do you, are you, it looks like you're feeling comfortable. Did you feel comfortable right away? How long did it take to you? Um, yeah, I would say my first at bat, I was really uncomfortable, uh, and I think it showed. Um, but you know, I kind of once I settled into that first game, I started feeling much better. Um, you obviously get called up as the team is in a pennant race. Does that kind of make any difference to your approach at all? Does that kind of change your attitude, the way you feel about things? Uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, if this team wasn't competing, then, it, you know, I could go out there and afford to mess a few things up and, you know, try and, you know, get my feet wet and, and not worry too much about results. But, uh, you know, when a team's competing, you know, I don't have the luxury of going out there and, and screwing up signs and, and, you know, messing up scouting reports and stuff like that. And uh, it puts you on your, your best behavior in, in your A game. Well, what was this like year like for you overall? Obviously, you have the knee injury and you have arthroscopic surgery, and it took a little time for you coming back. How frustrating was that? Were you worried at some point that you might not wind up getting a shot in the majors this year? Of course. You know, there were times when, you know, you have your bad days in rehab and you don't feel very good. And, uh, you know, your, your knee's barking and, uh, you know, but uh, the staff down in Arizona did an awesome job. Um, you know, I can't give them enough credit to, you know, how they helped me rehab and come back as, as quickly as I did. And, you know, I'm feeling as good as I am right now. So, uh, you know, shout out to them and, uh, you know, everybody for, you know, staying with me and, you know, giving me the chance to come back and improve myself. Your knee injury, did you incur it like in one specific thing or was it kind of wear and tear that gradually you, you kind of started to notice? So it was actually... It was kind of both. Um, so I had a play in Reno. It was a swinging bunt out in front of the mound, and uh, I went to pick it up and pivot to first, and my knee, my cleat got caught in the grass, and uh, you know I felt it then. And then they went in and did surgery, and they're like, well, you kind of had a chronic meniscus problem in there and on top of the, the tear, so it was like two separate things that had to go in and fix. So it was a little bit of both, but uh, who knows how long that other one was in there. But, uh, yeah, it was it was the more the, the swinging bunt in Reno that, that did me in. So they went in and they cleaned up some some stuff, and then they did they repair the meniscus? How did, what did they do? Yes, they cleaned up a little bit, and then they kind of repaired it. Uh, it wasn't a full repair. Uh, they described it you know, in a way I didn't quite understand. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, it was like 8 to 10 week, week recovery as opposed to, you know, the 4 to 6 month or the 4 to 6 week one. So it was right in the middle. Uh, and how do you feel now physically? Because I know the A's are being a little careful with your workload based on the fact that you did have the, the knee surgery. I feel fine. You know, I, I feel good out there. Uh, you know, I, I have, you know, 
I, I would say 100%. Yeah. Now, we've always heard so much about you behind the plate. Have have you always concentrated on defense? Is that has that come naturally to you? Is it something that you've had to work at? What's the what's been the hardest part for you behind the plate as you've kind of been learning the position? It's pitch calling for sure. You know, um, the physical part and the blocking and the throwing and all that stuff. You know, you can practice that all you know all day long. But uh, as far as the pitch calling, you need live reps and actual experience of dealing with pitchers and then adjusting to hitters. And that's the that's the last thing that comes as far as what you're comfortable doing in the game. And uh, you know, having having a veteran staff that kind of helps you walk through it and guys that have you know they've seen the hitters and they know what guys they're throwing to they give you an idea of what you're looking for at what age did you start catching because so many catchers you know who wind up making the big leagues like everybody else played shortstop for a long time did you transition at some point no I've always pretty much been a catcher um you know I was a small growing up and I couldn't really play any other positions and I always liked catcher because I was involved and I thought everything else was boring so you know I've always kind of kind of you know, gravitated towards catcher and then you go to Wright State and then wind up getting drafted by the A's how much did you know about the A's when that happened nothing really I didn't know anything about them I'd seen Moneyball that's about it yeah. yeah so did you I mean when you met Billy Bean did you think like oh this is this is the Moneyball guy <laughs> yeah you know it's cool he's, he's got a whole movie about him you know I think that's a it's a it's a cool organization to be a part of uh, and the, the guys here are, are, are special and I think this is a really good group of players now you come up and there are a lot of guys that you've played with this year and and some guys you've played with for for a number of years um particularly pitchers how fun is it for you to see aj puck here and particularly jesus lazardo who comes in and makes his major league debut here in houston and you're behind the plate oh it's awesome uh you know seeing aj uh what he came back from was was tough and the situation he was put in and i think he handled it uh awesome about as good as you can uh you know he went out he, he did everything he needed to do he ate well he worked out hard he put in all the hours and i think the the payoff is showing as far as how he's throwing the ball and uh Lizardo's had to work through a lot this year too um so you know both of those guys have kind of had to lean on each other and i think that now that they're both here it's it's a it's a cool moment for all of us what was it like for you catching Lizardo when he was out there uh, in houston making his debut I think that was one of the, the better Lazardos I've seen. Uh, he looked extremely comfortable mixing all of his pitches, and uh, he was aggressive with the fastball, and he was he threw everything with with 100% intent. And uh, you know, I think uh, he's he can absolutely pitch here and pitch at a high level. Can you sort of see this like you know the future is now kind of thing? I, I think some of the people you know some of the coaching staff and people have have said that with you guys all coming up sort of August and September that there's a little bit can you sort of feel that did you realize that when you were going up through the minor leagues with these guys that this is a this is a group that could be pretty special at some point of course I mean catching you know AJ and Jesus uh, you know they're, the, they're always the best players on the field and uh, you know you could feel that you know when when, I, when they went out to the mound it was you always you always thought you were winning that night and uh, now they just bring that, that that same feeling here and I think everybody on the team understands uh, how special these these guys are and there's more coming too with Parker Dunshee and Caprillion and Grant Holmes. What do you think of some of those guys having worked with with them for for a while now? Yeah, all those guys have you know awesome potential, awesome stuff, and you know I think they're they're very close. Uh, you know Parker has been one of the you know the best teammates I've been around. You know he has 
awesome stuff and he competes great. Grant's, uh, Grant's an absolute bulldog. He's got awesome stuff. I haven't had the chance to, uh, to catch Caprillion yet in a game. Um, I've caught a, a few sides from him, but uh, from what I hear, you know, he's, he's just as good. So now you have to um, learn a whole pitching staff up here. Some guys that weren't even in spring training, like Tanner Roark, Homer Bailey. How do you do that? You, you've worked with Tanner now twice. twice. Yeah. Uh, Tanner's done a great job of, of working with me, I would say. Um, you know, he's, he's a veteran guy, and I'm sure, you know, he was, he was hesitant about having a guy, you know, catching his debut uh, behind the plate. And, you know, he, you know, he walked me through some stuff. We, we, we sat down, made sure we knew everything that was going on, made sure, you know, you know we were on the same page. And, uh, you know, I can't, you know, you know thank him enough for as, as patient as he was with me and we were, you know I was asking all sorts of questions and as you know stuff he probably hasn't heard a lot but uh, these guys these guys take their stuff seriously and uh, they know it's important that we need to be working together so tell us about your first major league hit what was that like um, is it something that's kind of just like uh, stuck in your head now it must have been such an amazing experience for you it was I don't know it, it was weird. It just kind of happened. Um, you know, it, I didn't have any huge emotions about it because, you know, it's something I've, I've, I've thought about and I've pictured. And I guess, you know, when it happened, it was just kind of a another swing or another at bat. Um, you know, my, my parents were obviously very excited. But uh, the, in the moment that it happened, it, I wasn't going crazy. But then once I kind of it hit me later what I did, and that was uh, and that was more overwhelming than, than in the moment. You did get the ball back, right? Yes. I want to talk to you about your power because it, it seems like it's increased every year um, and it's that's a little bit unusual especially for somebody your age how have you managed to do that have you changed your mechanics is there something different about what you've been doing uh, a couple of tweaks here and there again it's nothing it's nothing big you go back to the swings I was taking when I first got drafted the swings now and they're not hugely different um, it's just a matter of, of pitch selection and just learning how to drive the ball and, and kind of intent in my swing um, you know, it's just, it's a lot of good hitting coaches throughout the way. You know, Tommy Everidge has helped me a ton uh, in Stockton and in Midland and uh, have a good rapport with him. Obviously, Emar this year, uh, you know, helping me get those numbers in AAA. And uh, it's kind of just been a slow process. There hasn't been one big thing that's clicked, but it's been baby steps along the way, you know. Uh, it, it's a slow process as far as hitting. And, uh, you know, we're going to try and keep going, but uh, we'll see see where it goes yeah it's been a pretty good start for you so far at the big league level with the power yeah 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 for sure you know in a week you might be asking me why am I striking out so much I mean that's how this game works you know so it's it's going well now and I'm sure at some point I'm going to hit a rough patch and it's you know it's not going to be as pretty um so I'm not putting too much stock into it awesome I I think you'll be just fine thanks so much for joining us today Sean Murphy thank you Thanks again to Sean Murphy for joining us on Ace Plus. We will be back in just one moment with Jake Kaplan from The Athletic to talk about the Astros. Today on the Ace Plus podcast, we welcome in Jake Kaplan of The Athletic. Jake covers the Astros, and of course, the A's have spent all season trying to battle Houston and have been a little bit more um, successful recently. Jake, what have your impressions been of Oakland here, um, you know, the last couple of series against the Astros when they, they finally seem to have maybe found something? Yeah, uh, they, see, they seem to always play the Astros pretty tough. And 
always seem to have a new rookie up who's who's impressive. I don't think the Astros have seen Manaya back yet, but Lazardo obviously and and, and um, the catcher. Um, it seems like they've got a ton of young talent. It kind of re- reminds you of like the Astros of a couple of years ago in terms of like young guys complementing the the young core that's already up. So. Um, it's always interesting when they play, which is a lot more than I can say for a lot of these opponents that uh, in the AL who are just tanking and it's it's not even a competition. Are you a little surprised because it, at the start of the season, I, the A's lost nine of the first eleven to Houston, and obviously last it's been the same really the last few years. The Astros have just pummeled the A's pretty relentlessly, and then this week in Houston, the first game, you know, the Astros take fifteen to nothing, so it looked like maybe more of the same. Right. Yeah, it's you really can't predict these games at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know what I expected or from surprise, but um, I probably didn't expect the reversal of that the next night, like like we saw. Yeah. What was the reaction in the Astros clubhouse, particularly that sec after that second game? Um, you know, most of it was just talking to Wade Miley about what's going on because this is the second straight start he hasn't gotten out of the first inning, and before that he had a three ERA. So it's been a strange turn of events that has some ramifications or could have some ramifications for them in October so it was mostly talking about that in the in the clubhouse there but I don't think they um, you know they they've they've this group has played so many games together I don't think they they really let one game good or bad kind of fester there they seem like they're pretty good at just taking it as one game and I know it sounds cliche but they've it's been the same group of players for four years now so they're they've seen a lot was there much reaction to Lazardo and and uh, how he looked pitching in the in the third game of the series? Yeah, I mean, I I think I talked to a couple guys about him today, and, and uh, definitely they were impressed. I know a lot of them saw him in the minors too. The Texas League, I think, as recently as last year, a lot of the current Astros were on that Corpus Christi team that would have played against him. So uh, I don't think it was a surprise, um, but I think it's obviously a lot different when. For, for the major leaguers from watching the video scouting to, to, to sing it in, in, you know, in the batter's box. You mentioned that the A's are maybe a little bit like the Astros were a few years ago with kind of a second young core coming up to join a first young core. Uh, do the Astros look at the A's as a potential team that, that could be a thorn in their side in the, in the coming few years? Because obviously they're right now the class of the American League. I think they have to. Um, I mean, the Astros are going to be losing free agents every year now. And um, the A's are, are probably only going to get better, I would assume, um, and maybe the Angels too. Um, you know, I guess the next step for the A's in, in you know, following that Astros comp would be to go get like a, a Verlander type. So maybe maybe they can go trade for Noah Syndergaard. I don't know, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it it's uh, it seems like it's trending that way. I mean, the Astros. It's no secret Garrett Cole's a free agent, and then the year after that, George Springer. So it's going to be an annual thing now, where they have to figure out how to replace these guys if they can't re-sign them. And um, you know, the A's core players are obviously under team control for for a while to come. Um, the Wade Miley thing for, for for you with a team that has been so good, it almost must. It's not a relief, but you haven't had much to write about, Jake. I mean, this is a team that hasn't really had too many flaws, has it? I mean, what is that like for you, covering a team where really it's been kind of more of the same every day, just a lot of winning and a, a lot of success? Yeah, it makes it um, at times difficult to come up with, you know, new story ideas that you haven't written already, um, especially because, like I said, it is the same players as, as it, for the most part, as has they've had for the last few years. Um, 
Yeah, the Miley thing is a completely out of left field, you know, a wrinkle to their September that I don't think anyone could have expected. Um, it was weird. I mean, the first time it happens, you think like, oh, it's just, you know, one of those fluky things. He had a really bad start, and um, and they were even joking before yes before the game the other night, like. You know, I asked AJ Hinge, what do you expect to see from Miley tonight? Like, what are you going to be looking for? And he joked, so I hope he gets an out. And then it turns out he, he literally only got one out. So, like, they were messing with him about it, and then it happened. And so it's just been a strange turn of events that, you know, he's got three starts now to turn it around, and they don't have much margin for error, uh, you know, with these three starts. He'll face, I think, the Royals and the Angels twice. So um, it's going to be interesting. Now, obviously, the, the Astros are pretty well set up here in the division the rest of the way. I don't think there's uh, too much concern, even though the A's have been playing them so much better. How do they set up now for a playoff run when, in your mind? Is this more like the team of two years ago or more like last year's team? I think it's a little bit more like the team of two years ago because their offense is so good. Their offense took a step back last year, and it was really the rotation and the bullpen. Um, this year, it's somewhat of a combination because the rotation is still really good, but... Um, yeah, I would say it's more like 2017 in that, like, they probably, going into the playoffs, if Carlos Correa is healthy, have the deepest lineup of all the teams. And then, you know, you add in the wrinkle of, oh, they also have the two best pitchers in the AL. So, um, it's nice. I think they're, I mean, if you can pinpoint a question mark with them, it'll be the fourth starter and it'll be the bullpen. Do they have enough relievers to fill out a non-Verlander or a non-Cole start? But, uh, you know, I think it's hard to argue that they're not set up as, as well as the Dodgers and the Yankees, if not better. And what is Cray's status right now? He's going to begin a rehab assignment Friday with AAA Round Rock, which isn't guaranteed to play beyond Friday. So it might be a one-game rehab assignment, and then they have to figure out whether he goes to high A, who's in the playoffs, or they just do sim games with, with random AAA arms throwing to him. Um, they don't seem to really know what, what's going to happen there, but I think they... They're, they seem pretty confident they'll get him back for a week or two of games, and then, you know, he'll be fine going into the playoffs. But you know, until you see it, you don't you don't really know for sure. Have there been any major surprises for you this year when it comes to the the Astros? Jordan Alvarez, uh, I think he would qualify. Like in spring training, I don't think I interviewed him once, and like really like. Oh, we've all got one of those. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, like. I mean, I think people thought he would be up this year, but, like, all the attention was on Forrest Whitley, their top pitching prospect, and Kyle Tucker, who at that time was their top position player prospect. And then Alvarez just hit home runs every day in AAA, and and he's continued to do it in the majors, it seems like. So I think that's I mean, just how good he's been in the majors. I mean, he's going to be the runaway rookie of the year, I would assume. Uh, I don't think anyone, even the Astros, saw that coming. Yeah, you could have a lot of postseason award winners. Um, Verlander versus Cole is a very interesting question. How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I think right now, I mean, as we speak right now, uh, I would say it's probably Verlander. Um, they're each going to have four starts more, including Verlander on Thursday as we speak. Um, you know, Cole missed a turn, and a, a turn and a half, really, and so he's down 16 innings to, to Verlander. I think that's going to have the potential to be the difference maker. And also, like, there's this one start Cole had in April in Arlington where he gave up, like, eight or nine runs where he thinks he was tipping his pitches and it was just a complete disaster. So I know every start counts, but it's I'm sure you have to think, like, if he takes that start out, the numbers look a lot different. Um, 
I think it's, it's, it could come down to the end if, if they both continue on the way they have, or, or maybe Verlander falters once. But uh, right now, I would say it's probably Verlander. And how do you see the um, MVP race? I'm assuming Bregman is probably the, the best candidate from, I, I mean, there's probably a few, a few candidates from the Astros as usual, but is Bregman the guy? I mean, if Mike Trout comes back and plays Friday, like he sounds like he might, I don't think it's really a race. Um, He's got a, he's he's a, at least a win or a win and a half ahead of him in, in wins above replacement. I'm not sure that's surmountable, um, but I've been joking with people this week like it's almost an award to win second to Trout these days. Uh, they should almost have their own separate things. So uh, Bregman's obviously had a a great year that's been better than last year, which I don't think anyone even saw coming. But um, yeah, I think it's it's Trout. You know, I'm one of those old school people that still thinks it matters whether your team makes it into the playoffs and how you play in September. So I'm keeping an eye on that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to depend on the 30 voters and how they feel. Um, if they veer more towards that line of thinking or just is it a best player award, which is I mean, seemingly how it's... Do you just do you just give it to the guy with the top war, in which case why even vote? I mean, that's you just look at the, look at the, the war standings. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of that gone fun? that way. That's not it's, even fun. A lot of this this new age stuff is, <laughs> makes the game less fun, right? Like, every team's operating the same. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it seems to be awarded that way these days. Where best player, there's rather best than player. most valuable yeah. player. However yeah. you figure that that means. Yeah, if but I if, still think to your team's results factor in but it depends it's a you know you can also go a, the flip side a lot of gray though. area like who's protecting Mike Trout versus Jordan Alvarez is batting behind Alex Bregman and Yuli Gurriel is batting behind Alex Bregman like right the, you know I mean you still got to get the job done and also right you know they're not getting pitched yeah I mean you could make the argument either way yeah. if you wanted to I from he's getting walked so much he gets pitched around so, yeah. yeah there's a lot of there are a lot of arguments that you could make but yeah. yeah you're right it's probably gonna be true yeah I don't and full disclosure I don't have a vote but I, I think I do I think it's <laughs> I think it's Mike Trout yeah we'll see we will see Jay Kaplan thanks so much for joining us on A's Plus it was my pleasure thank you thanks again to Jay Kaplan for joining us today on A's Plus you can find him on theathletic.com or on Twitter at Jake M. Kaplan. Our producers today are G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. We'll be back next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at slusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.